This gospel message is brought to you by the Reformed Witness Hour, a ministry of the Protestant Reformed Churches in America, a Reformed denomination that strives to be faithful to the Word of God and the historic confessions of the Reformed faith, also known as Calvinism. In love for our great God, we proclaim the Christian faith and life that is founded on God's sovereign particular grace. As God's Word is expounded, we pray that these messages are a blessing to you. We have learned of the great anti-Christian world power that will rule the world. We have alluded several times to the persecution that this kingdom will level against the true Church of Christ. Today we address this important subject. Although the tribulation is mentioned in a number of passages of Scripture, we come back to the very clear teaching of Jesus in Matthew 24. Jesus speaks of the final tribulation or persecution of the church in a couple different places in this chapter. In today's broadcast, we are going to examine these verses. First of all, verses 9 and 11. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. The other two verses we consider are verses 21 and 22. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days be shortened, there would no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. It is striking that the term Jesus uses in verse 21 to describe what will take place during the reign of Antichrist is not persecution. We are told that in the last days, under the reign of Antichrist, there will be tribulation for the church. Now, the term tribulation does not exclude the idea of persecution, as some say it does. But the term tribulation actually means a pressing together. As such, it refers to oppression and distress. For example, the rave today is a garbage compactor. It is a can into which one can toss a can or milk carton or box or garbage. And all one needs to do is to press a button and the garbage can has sides that crush together everything in that garbage can. Well... That is how the term tribulation must be interpreted. In the end times, the wicked world, and especially the false Christian church, will press in on the church of Jesus Christ. It will start slowly and will increase in intensity as time goes on. The false church and the political power of this world will become increasingly more hostile toward the true Christ. They will put increasingly more pressure on the believer to renounce his brand of Christianity and join with them in their common cause. As the pressure is placed on the true church, there will be those who will come out of it, give in to the pressure. They will, so to speak, squeeze out. But those who remain firm in the truth of God's word, faithful to the true God and Christ, will finally be squeezed together so tightly that they will no longer be given space in this world. This pressure will be placed upon God's people because, Jesus says in verse 9, we will be hated for Christ's 
sake. This world that pronounces its love for all humankind, that boasts of its tolerance of all cultures, religions, and lifestyles, will not be so kind to those who stand on the Scripture. When it comes to the true church, there will be little, if any, tolerance in this world. And this is true because this world is going to hate us. That's the strong terminology that Jesus uses. They of this world will hate us. And this term hate in the Greek is very, very telling. It speaks of the fact that the people of this unbelieving world will detest the Christian, the true Christian. For that reason, they will be indifferent toward the believer. They will have no sympathy toward him. Through his skill at deceiving this world, the Antichrist and the false church will convince this world that the believer has brought all of this upon himself. No one will be interested in protecting the church. No one will be interested in the cause of the truth anymore. And as a result, people will simply shake their heads at us, wave us off, and will be totally baffled as to why these radical Christians go on maintaining what they do. The unbelieving world will detest the truth and therefore will hate God's people. And Jesus says that this will be true because we belong to him. You will be hated for my sake, Christ tells us. Surely we can expect no different, can we? Jesus teaches us this reality in John 15, verses 18 through 21. If we were of this world, the world would love us, Jesus explains. If we believed in the God and the Christ of this wicked world, the world would love us. It would have no trouble with us. And for that reason, the world would embrace us, and we would belong to their world and their kingdom. But because we love the Christ of the Scriptures, the world will hate the child of God. That, in turn, will finally result in persecution. Persecution will be the last ounce of pressure put on the child of God, the final squeeze, so to speak. His place in this present world will not only become smaller, but it will have reached the point where his place in this world is no longer wanted. The final tribulation, therefore, will result in what we are taught at the beginning of verse 9. They shall deliver you up to be afflicted, and they shall kill you. We will be afflicted. Hmm, interesting. This is the same word used for tribulation. The time will come when we are oppressed or crushed to our hurt. The particular way we are crushed is recorded for us in Revelation 13, verses 16 and 17. And he, the Antichrist, causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the number of the beast or the number of his name. Those who will not accept the false Christianity of the Antichristian kingdom and the anti-Christian world power will not be allowed to have that mark, whatever it might be, and they will not be able to buy or sell. Everyone in the world will be living life to its fullest, but the child of God will be pushed out. Everyone will be indifferent to his plight. It's his own fault, they will think, and he and his children will slowly but surely starve. He cannot buy food. He cannot sell what he owns to earn money. His paycheck will be withheld. You talk about affliction or oppression. You talk about being an outcast of society. Such is the fl affliction we will have to suffer, among other torments.
It is also true, however, that the tribulation will develop to the point that some will even be killed by the authorities. It need not be a mugging or a gang slaying. The government will need to silence the witness of the church as it continues to preach the gospel. Imprisonment will be used, even death when necessary. So much will the wicked world hate the child of God. In connection with the perilous times of the last days, Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Persecution is a reality at the end of time. The world is not developing under the false church into a better place to live. It is rapidly developing into a place where death will come to God's people by means of persecution. It is often asked, just what type of persecution are we looking for at the end of time? Other than starving, as we noticed in Revelation 13, the Bible does not relate to us how we will be persecuted. But Jesus does make clear that such persecution of believers at the end of time will not stop short of death. They will kill you, Jesus says. But this question really leads us into the next point Christ makes in the passage we consider. He tells us that this tribulation will be great. He teaches us in Matthew 24, verse 21, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. We will see in the days of the Antichrist a tribulation of pressing together of the true church that has never been witnessed before. There have been many different periods in the history of the church when there was sore persecution for the church. The blood of the martyrs flowed in the streets of Rome and other early persecutions. Yet Jesus says that the tribulation of the last days will be so great that there will never have been one like it before or ever shall be. So great will it be. Well, dear listeners, there were some horribly cruel and barbarous persecutions that have taken place in the past. Can we expect such barbarous treatment too, as a church of Christ at the end of time? All persecution is barbaric. We can never say that the willful slaying of people is civilized and tastefully done. But I do not think when Jesus uses the term great here in Matthew, he means that the Antichrist is going to come up with some new and innovative ways to torture people, and that these ways are going to be so horrific that they will cause the most excruciating pain beyond all imagination. That's not the idea of great in verse 21. Rather, this word refers to the truth that this persecution will affect Christ's true church and believers everywhere in this entire world. No one will be able to escape this tribulation. The Antichrist will have control over all peoples and nations of the earth. Christians in every land and nation will be persecuted for Christ's sake. The church universal will be persecuted for the sake of Christ. That's what's meant by the Great Tribulation. It will affect the whole church, not just the church in a few countries. In past persecutions, Christians were able to escape to another country, or even city, to escape the persecution. That will not be the case in this final tribulation. Jesus says, we will be hated of all nations. 
There is not a nation that will show pity to the child of God, to true believers. There will be no pity shown in pagan countries, of course. There never has been pity shown there. Even now there is persecution of Christians in these lands and countries. But included in this will be those countries of this world that are Christian in name. Those countries out of which the Antichrist arises and who are given over to false Christianity will also persecute the true church. All nations, Jesus says, will hate us. That is, first of all, what makes this tribulation of the last day so great. There is something else that will contribute to the pain and sorrow of the great tribulation. It is something that makes persecution almost unbearable. Jesus teaches us in Matthew 24, verse 10, And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Many shall be offended, Jesus tells us. And by this word offended means they will turn on one they ought to trust. Many friends and relatives will be convinced by the Antichrist and the false church that they ought not to trust us. Through the powerful and convincing words and signs of the false church, they will be convinced to desert and to forsake us. They will turn on us in distrust. There is that word hated again. Jesus says they will hate one another. And the result of this is they will betray the child of God. They will turn us into authorities to be persecuted. They will give us up. Our world as we knew it will be turned upside down. Even family members will turn on the faithful saints who continue to maintain the truths of Scripture. Listen to what Jesus says to us in Matthew 10, verses 34 through 36. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. This is what will make the tribulation of the last day so great. There will be those whom we thought were indeed believers together with us. They may even be members of the church in this world with us. The persecution has a way of sifting the members of the church. It has a way of separating the chaff from the wheat. Why suffer for the brand of Christianity true believers have when I can join myself to others who also claim to be Christians? Anger? Division, strife in the home, in the church, and among friends will result. A man's enemies will be those of his own household. Brother will turn on brother and betray him. Parents, fathers and mothers will turn on children or children on parents. In-laws will turn against extended family. Friends will betray us. The pressure placed on the child of God will be tremendous. Will you turn away from the Christ you profess to love? Will you turn your backs on the Scripture and the God and the Christ that are taught in them? Are you a believer? Believers cling to the sovereign God of heaven and earth and to the Christ who has delivered them from sin.
Believers are those who maintain the hard line of the scriptures because those scriptures contain truth. Believers do not compromise the gospel of salvation. They do not redefine it in human terms. They do not change the language of scripture to fit in with a humanism that prevails in our unbelieving world. The believer knows his Bible and what it teaches over against the many heresies available that rob God of His glory and Jesus Christ of His power, the day approaches that that great sifting of the church will take place. The day comes when God will separate the wheat from the tares in the church. Where will you stand? Where will I stand? Oh, the pain of being forsaken by those whom we love, even betrayed by them. Oh, the pressure that will be placed on the child of God to turn from faith and take on himself the mark of the Antichrist. Who can stand? In fact, Christ asks, when I return, will there be faith in the earth? Yes. There will be faith in the earth. God has chosen unto himself a church. The members of that church are his elect, those whom he has chosen in Christ before the beginning of this world. These elect will have been called and saved out of all of the nations of the earth. They will be living in faith in those days of tribulation, and these God will preserve. No man is able to pluck them out of his hand. God is for them. Who can be against them? But these elect will be scattered and few in the earth. The number of the saved among the people of this world will be small and sorely despised. But they will still be there. Christ will still gather his people. He does this unto the very end of time. Jesus tells us in Matthew 24, verse 22, And except those days be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. The days of tribulation will be shortened. It will not last long. It is but a short period of time. Why? Because otherwise there would not be any who would believe in the earth. The elect would be destroyed from among flesh. That means no flesh would be saved any longer. For that reason, Christ will bring these days to an end quickly, in order that he might return and usher in his eternal kingdom of glory. For the elect's sake, the days will be shortened. Do I have reason to fear? Do I have reason to think that I will not be able to stand in that day in faith? God holds His people in His almighty hand. God leads, God directs, and God preserves His people. We need not fear in that day. We need to trust. 
all things work together for our good. And then the child of God will with uplifted head look for the coming of his Savior. And he will come. He has promised us that. And all things indicate it. So it's our prayer, isn't it? Come, Lord Jesus. Yea, come quickly. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we look for that coming of our Lord Jesus Christ upon the clouds of heaven. And we realize that there will come a time of tribulation before that coming of Christ. By nature we fear. By nature we do not look forward to those days, and yet we know that they must come. We pray that Thou wilt extend Thy hand of preserving grace upon us to give us the necessary strength to stand now. And when we stand now, then Thou wilt see to it that we will stand then too. Forgive us of our weaknesses and our failures. Give us the strength of our Lord Jesus Christ. And go with us, Father, holding us in Thy almighty hand. For Jesus' sake alone we pray. Amen. The gospel message you have just heard was sponsored by the Protestant Reformed Churches through its radio program, The Reformed Witness Hour. We hope that you have been edified and encouraged by this message. If you would like more information about the Reformed faith or the Protestant Reformed Churches, feel free to visit our website at reformedwitnesshour.org or email us at mail at reformedwitnesshour.org.